Hi, welcome to 6.6, .6, causes of migration in an interconnected world. That basically just says, why did people migrate um, when the world got connected up during this time of imperialism and industrialism? So let's go. Uh, the essential question is, how did environmental and economic factors contribute to factors of migration between 1750 and 1900? Increasingly global economy characterized by economic imperialism, the last subject, and the availability of different modes of transportation promoted a new era in migrations. As industrialization grew, populations moved to urban centers. Some workers who had left their homelands could travel back to their native country. Others chose permanent resettlement as a relief from economic and political difficulties. Other movements of people were coerced or forced. To meet the demands of workers, coerced and semi-coerced migration of people resulted in slavery, indentured servitude, and convict labor. All right, the way I've organized this is in three ways. The first way, the first cause of migration was migration through labor systems. The desire for low-wage labor was linked to the exploitation of natural resources in the system of economic imperialism. Even though slavery was gradually being abolished in imperial territories in the 19th century, the demand for agricultural goods that enslaved workers had produced uh, was still increasing. European states recruited new laborers to work on plantations where they produced enormous wealth that fueled industrial growth at home. Here's some examples. Indian laborers migrated to British colonies in the Caribbean, South Africa, East Africa, and Fiji. Chinese laborer mi laborers migrated to California and British Malaya to build railroads and serve as farmhands, gardeners, and domestics, domestic servants. Um, Japanese laborers migrated to Hawaii, Peru, and Cuba to work on sugar plantations. Uh, slavery. Most countries in the Americas abolished the African slave trade in the early 19th century. Slavery itself continued, but without a fresh supply of enslaved people, the institution declined. The last countries to abolish slavery in the Americas were the United States in 1865, Cuba in 1886, and Brazil in 1888. In spite of prohibitions, Africans continued enslaving one another well into the 20th century. As slavery was being abolished, labor was still desired, so imperial countries, countries that countries taken over in imperialism, turned to other forms of coerced labor. One of those was indentured servitude. People who worked for a set of a set number of years becoming free were indentured servants. Many people became indentured as a way to pay for their transportation from desperately poor communities to one with more opportunity. Others were forced to do so to pay off a debt. Some of these servants intended to work temporarily, earning money for their family, and then return home. But many stayed in their new country. As a result, indentured laborers brought their home cultures to the new lands and altered demographics of these lands. For example, Indian culture in, the, in Fiji, which is in the Pacific, and Trinidad in the Caribbean. More on that in the next, uh, next talk. Asian contract laborers. Many Chinese and Indian workers were an early substitute for slave trade. They were forced or tricked into servitude. Between 1847 and 1874, the British, French, Dutch, and Spanish had imported between 250 and 500,000 Chinese workers to their colonies in Southeast Asia, Africa, and the Caribbean. About 125,000 Chinese were sent to Cuba alone, where 80% worked on sugar plantations. The life, the life of an Asian contract worker was riddled with difficulty and unjust treatment. While they were not property, they were unskilled laborers who were exploited as substitutes for slave labor, often working for subsistence or low wages. In 1855, Britain stopped its trade. In 1862, Congress banned the contract Asian contract Asia labor trade in the United States. In 1874, under international pressure, Portugal ended it. 
a treaty between China and Spain in 1877 terminated the contracts of Chinese workers still in Cuba. Third uh, one of these uh, migration through labor systems would be penal colonies. In the late 1700s, Great Britain established a penal colony in Australia. This is again where you send convicts, people, you know, it's basically a prison. Uh, the British government shipped convicts from England, Scotland, and Ireland, as well as British colonies such as India to Australia. There they performed hard labor and suffered harsh treatment. Actual imprisonment of the convicts was rare. Most performed labor for free settlers, worked for the government in record keeping, or worked on government projects such as road and railway building. The majority of convicts earned their freedom after a prescribed number of years in service. Some people sent to penal colonies were never allowed to return to Great Britain. In addition, because transportation back home was expensive, the majority decided to stay in Australia. By 1870, the British government ended the transportation of convicts to Australia. Australia also attracted free settlers especially after gold was discovered there in 1851. Some 50,000 Chinese came during this gold rush. Eventually, Australia became one of Britain's most successful settler colonies. The French also had penal colonies in Africa, New Caledonia, and French Guiana. The penal colony of French Guiana, which included Devil's Island, was notorious for its harsh treatment of convicts. Prisoners were underfed and forced to do hard labor. Although the French stopped transporting convicts in 1938, Devil's Island continued to hold prisoners until 1953. Okay, the second wave, uh, second cause of migration was migration in the face of challenges. The word diaspora is often applied to mass immigrations from a country or region that may take place over a period of many years. The African slave trade was responsible for one of the biggest diasporas in history, the involuntary immigration of millions of people between the 16th and 19th century. Most diasporas, however, were the result of poverty, political conditions, conditions, or famine. India. Poverty was the principal reason that drove Indians to leave the subcontinent. In 1833, the British began sending Indians as indentured laborers to replace enslaved workers on sugar plantations. Most Indian laborers signed five-year contracts. Many renewed their contracts, and some decided to stay permanently, accepting a piece of land or a lump sum rather than their passage back to India. Over 1.5 million Indians were shipped to colonies in Asia, Africa, the Caribbean, and Oceania before Britain abolished the indentured system in 1916. China. The Chinese diaspora did not largely begin until the middle of the 19th century with the gold rushes in California, South Australia, and Western Canada. However, most Chinese migrations or migrants were not engaging in mining, despite prejudices towards Chinese immigrations, immigrants, excuse me. The Chinese were instrumental in the development of the U.S. transcontinental railway. Some Chinese paid their own way, but more, many more left China as indentured laborers. The vast majority of Chinese immigrants were males who planned to return to China after their time abroad. People left China for many reasons, some to escape poverty or famine, others for better opportunities. Most of them were illiterate, landless peasants looking for opportunities abroad. However, most of the Chinese did not did not arrive in Southeast Asia until the mid-19th century after the first opium war made it easier for them to leave. Many people left as a result of poverty and disorder brought on by the Taiping Rebellion, 1853-1864. After the middle of the century, most Chinese emigrated to the Americas, Europe, Australia, or New Zealand. And then there's the Irish. Many people emigrated from Ireland for many, people emigrated from Ireland for many reasons, excuse me, some left for political reasons. Britain abolished the Irish Parliament in 1801 when Ireland became part of the UK of Great Britain 
Roman Catholics faced religious discrimination from their British rulers. During the Great Famine of 1845 through 49, that destroyed the potato crop for four years, as many as three million people immigrated from Ireland. Most emigrated to the United States, but many others went to England, Scotland, Canada, or Australia. This immigration continued even after the famine ended. The Irish have been going to Great Britain and the United States to build canals since the 18th century, and they continued to leave to help build railroads. Okay, third cause of migration was migration to settler colonies. Large numbers of British citizens lived in all the colonies of the British Empire. Many who moved abroad permanently went to settler colonies such as Canada, South Africa, Australia, or New Zealand. Many went as officers or soldiers in the British Army, as government officials in the colonial service, or as managers for plantations or other colonial enterprises. The British. British technical experts such as engineers and geologists migrated to South Asia and Africa. Their engineers helped lay out roads and railways while geologists would continue the search for natural resources. This diaspora helped spread Western science and technology through the world. Japan, before 1868, Japan was close to the rest of the world. However, by 1893, the Japanese government had decided that Japan should acquire an overseas empire and establish the colonization society. Its aim was to export Japan's surplus population as well as commercial goods while gaining natural resources from these colonies. In 1892, the society made an unsuccessful attempt to start an agricultural co settler colony in, of all places, Mexico. At the same time, many Young Japanese men were leaving Japan to study in the United States, congregating mostly in such cities as San Francisco, Portland, and Seattle on the West Coast. Tensions and anti-immigrant sentiment towards Japanese people intensified as immigrants assimilated or absorbed to life in America. In 1885, an agreement between the governments of Japan and Hawaii allowed Japanese laborers to go to Hawaii to work on sugar plantations under a three-year contract. Approximately 29,000 Japanese went to Hawaii over the next nine years. During that time, thousands more Japanese went to other destinations in the South Pacific, including Australia, New Caledonia, and Fiji, under similar contracts. Most plan to return home after a few years. Okay, that's it. Those are the causes. Uh, next one, you will get the effects.